What's going on, everybody? Episode 2 of Pat's Interference. It is September 8th. Hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. Today on the docket, we talk Alabama's 35-17 win over Wisconsin, as well as discussing play from around the conference and ending the show with a story from the 2013 opener versus Virginia Tech that includes your hosts, Laura Tab and Superman. I am Patrick. He is Patrick. This is Pat's Interference. Welcome into episode two of Pat's Interference. I am Patrick Norwood. And I'm Patrick Brickman. Hope everyone had a great Labor Day weekend. And it is Tuesday, September 8th, after a big, big win for Alabama against Wisconsin. Patrick, what did you do on your Labor Day weekend? First of all, how are you doing? Are you doing all right? I am great. You know, it was a very, uh, it's good to have football back. I'll put it that way. I spent every day. Yeah. Yeah. Every day. Every, every day of that break, I got a football game on the couch. It was great. Perfect. It was perfect. So what'd you do? What'd you end up doing for Labor Day? Well, I live in Panama City, so obviously that's one of the big uh, places that people like to go for Labor Day. So I like to flee the area, get out and run while I can. I went to home. I went to where my parents are. I my wife's fa- parents live there too. So we basically just watched football all weekend. It was great. That sounds like a perfect American Labor Day weekend. I love it. Uh, so just sort of getting into the game. First of all, thanks uh, everyone who listened to episode one, uh, everyone who followed us on Twitter at PI underscore podcast and liked our Facebook page at Pat's Interference. We really, really appreciate that. Uh, all that. And we can only go up from there. Exactly. And all the support and everything that we've heard, uh, it's just been, it's awesome. We, we really, really, really appreciate it. Like we said last week, this is something we've wanted to do for a long, long time and to finally have it. Uh, sort of just materializes just it's it's awesome it's awesome so thank you so much everyone who did that uh so let's get into something i've got to tip my cap uh to patrick uh you predicted the quarterback battle uh it was perfect i picked alec morris i was way off but that's what everybody had kind of been saying uh after the second fall scrimmage so tip of the cap to you Props to you. Congratulations on being right on that. Jacob Coker, the Alabama uh, you know, starter. I appreciate it. Well, I just was – I, I kind of went I, I went with a mold um, of what I think Nick Saban has done over the last cu- couple quarterback battles. You had uh, A.J. McCarron, and then you had Blake Sims, where it was really – other names would come up, specifically like Phillip Sims back then. But there was always that one name, uh, which was Coker. You would hear Bateman, and you would hear Morris, and you would hear uh, Cornwell. They trend at times. But Coker was always the constant there, and so I feel like he does that more as of a, a, a tactic, if you will, uh, a strategy, instead of you know making it just because he doesn't know who he's picking. From what I heard, actually, he told the quarterbacks on Thursday who would be starting, but he wants to keep Wisconsin on their toes, and I think he just, uh, I think he'd made up his mind long before that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, so I, I commend you again. Nice work on that uh, prediction. But don't give me uh, all the props. I mean, you were right on something else. Well, yeah, yeah, I did. I ended up getting the score prediction uh, closest, I, but that, that's an easier job. I mean, that, that was a little bit, in my opinion, that was a little bit easier. Uh, there was no one waiting all summer to figure out what the final score of the Wisconsin game would be. But, uh, but yeah, so <laughs> I, you know, it was, I guess, 31-17. Uh, you know, I wasn't that far off. Four points isn't that far off. I think I'm going to have a little bit of a tougher time next week, uh, considering the fact that MTSU scored 70 points uh, this past weekend. I forget who they played. No one, uh, you know, it was Southeast Jacksonville State Tech College, <laughs> uh, you know, something like that. So, I mean, they, they just kicked the crap out of them. But, you know, so I think next week is going to be a little bit tougher. We're going to get into that and a lot more later in the podcast. But, Patrick, 
Uh, first things first, let's get into your first impressions from the game on Saturday. Well, okay, if we're going to do that, I think one name really sticks out. If we want to, I think we're going to get into players of the game here, and the one that sticks out to me is, and you know, it did just come across that he won SEC Offensive Player of the Week, which really helps my argument here, but it's Derrick Henry. Um, he did some stuff. Now, the offensive line, especially as the game went on, blocked well, but Derrick Henry did some stuff that really only Derrick Henry can do on this team, which is break through the arm tackles, hit that second level and do what he does best, which is when he accelerates and just keeps going and, and no one can catch him. I mean, he's dangerous in the open field, but what we saw was a lot of what we wanted to see where he really hits the hole hard and accelerates through it instead of hitting it and just kind of tiptoeing around the hole. I loved those, especially those two long runs he had, but he did it all game long, even when he wasn't getting into the end zone. He was exploding to that second level, and that is why he's really sticking out to me, why... He might be in the thick of the Heisman race. Now, I know after week one, it's kind of silly to start doing that because it's only September. Sure. Well, but, you know, it's fun to start thinking about. I mean, yeah, it's something that needs to be brought up. And I think obviously with the, I mean, the Virginia Tech, Ohio State, I mean, there's there's two or three guys playing for Ohio State right now that could seriously be in the talk at the end of the year. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. you know, I, I, I hate saying it. I really do. I try to block out everything that I can from the end of last season as far as Ohio State's concerned, but they looked sharp last night they had three players braxton miller mm, uh, cardell yeah. jones and ezekiel elliott that looked fantastic but if we're talking about you, you know that spin move yeah it was dirty it was it was things that i dream about doing <laughs> in an alternate universe where i wasn't five foot sticks and actually played football but uh, no i mean seriously it was a great move but let's let's get back so sec contenders right now i you know i think derrick henry's a good person to talk about as far as that goes if we're talking about uh player of the game from uh, the Wisconsin game, for me, I mean, I, I got to go Jake Coker. Uh, you look at his stats, uh, you know, he went uh, 15 for 21 with 213 yards and a touchdown. The play that sticks out in my mind, uh, you know, as well as a, another guy, the person who is on the receiving end of this touchdown uh, that we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, rolls out, gets the ball from under center, rolls out to his right, uh, pressure on all sides. Throws a strike 10, 15 yards downfield and lets the receiver do the rest of the work for a touchdown. I mean, just it's hard to throw that ball when you're the same height as your receiver. When you're almost, you know, six, seven inches taller than he is, hard to put that ball sort of down the line or uh, right between the numbers. And that's exactly what he did. Looked very sharp. So my player of the game uh, goes to Jake Coker. Made some great decisions and was just on fire the entire game. Uh, just really, really looked sharp really looking forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the season yeah I think he'll be a good guy to lead us on I think he knows the offense now that's pretty obvious from he looked comfortable um we want to talk about positive surprises from the game I since we just mentioned him he's one name that you would want to throw in there but let's do you want you mind if we hop into positive surprises here I want to mention yeah no let's 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 go into that let's go into that so the biggest positive surprise uh from me uh, for the game was uh, we just sort of talked about it a little bit, but the receiver core. Uh, I mean, just they looked great. They looked absolutely outstanding. Uh, you know, great blocks. We put a GIF uh, just this morning um, on our Facebook and Twitter pages uh, where Robert Foster comes through on a Kenyon Drake. I don't know. Maybe got what, 12, 13 yards or so. Uh, you know, just a little scamper up the sideline. But Robert Foster comes through and absolutely clocks a Wisconsin middle linebacker that was coming through i mean just cleans house on him uh you know and that was a big cat block there was the obvious uh robert foster had a heck of a game uh, yeah. robert foster and our stewart had great games robert foster on the reception into that touchdown 
uh, good to sort of focus on the ball, look it into his hands, and then scamper upfield for a touchdown. Uh, you know, took things one at a time, which I think is really important for receivers, especially when it's your first big game. Well, that but, I, can't, uh, I can't think of any we, drops. I can't think of any drops they had off the top of my I, head. And I went yeah, back I'm, and watched the game, and I still can't remember any drops. I, I'm trying to think if they were any big miscues. Now, there were a couple routes that looked a little iffy, uh, yeah. but I, I yeah, don't yeah, think yeah. it was a route running. I think it was a playbook miscue. But um, So what's your biggest positive surprise from Saturday, Patrick? Well, aside from Jay Cooker, who we mentioned at the, uh, just a few minutes ago, I think another positive surprise uh, got to be the way Kenyon Drake looked after that injury last year. He was explosive. Everybody knows that uh, that long touchdown run he had where he actually broke through the arm tackle and the, behind the line of scrimmage. But beyond that, I mean, returning kicks, how the, he looked like he wanted the ball in his hand uh, the whole game. And he was very explosive. He looks like he hasn't lost a step. I'm going to return to that long touchdown he had. He breaks through the arm tackle, but to me, specifically the most impressive part of that run uh, is when he hit the sideline. He put a little... And exactly, it, you don't, the acceleration. You, you don't see this if, unless you go back and watch it, but he actually put a move on the guy. He put a little hesitation move and then blew past him. It was it was what we saw from him last year, but I think it was... I think it was more explosive. I think he's improved since last year, which is, you know, you wouldn't have thought that coming into game one after that injury. Right. But talk about positive surprise. That's got to be it. Yeah, the word that comes to mind when you mention that, too, is experience. You know, I mean, he's, he's, he's had this experience now, and he knows, okay, this is, you know, this is what's going to work. This is what my body can handle. And he, he really looked uh, very excited to be out there and very, very ready to be out there. Uh, Patrick, a little bit of a more uh, negative tone now. What was your biggest disappointment from the game on Saturday? The thing that you really wanted to see more from? The kicking game. And I know we both want to talk about this. So I'm going to take, uh, obviously, two guys out there that we rely a lot on, on the kicking game. Um, And I'm going to talk about, you would think I'm going to mention Adam Griffith here, but I'm going to actually mention J.K. Scott for the sole reason that coming into this game, I mean, he's got the nickname Legatron. He's looked at as the guy that's supposed to win the Ray Guy Award this year, the best punter in the nation. He had an outstanding freshman year. And from all counts, he didn't have a great camp. And then he comes out there and here, this was the most mad I got all game, is when he shanked that punt before halftime, which gave uh, Wisconsin the ball the 40, 50-yard line. They make one pass in there in field goal, which they missed the field goal. But that almost gave him three free points to end the half and momentum that would have who knows what it would have how it would have affected the game i just wanted to see more from our all-american punter yeah for sure well and you know it's not even the fact that he shanks one goes out there shanks another one and then leaves one incredibly short there's a lot before that halftime too that was just sort of awkward it, it didn't really and i feel like saban sort of runs into this sometime and i'm not really sure if it's a saban thing or if it's a lane kiffin thing or what but just sort of runs into this weird funk where he's not really sure if he wants to go and try and get points or just sort of take it into the locker room. So there's this weird sort of we're going to run the ball and run the clock out, but then we're going to call a timeout right afterward. And it was just, I don't know, it was, it was very, very odd. But yeah, like you said, J.K. Scott, that, that surprised me. I don't think we're going to see that. I don't think that's going to be something that uh, keeps up the rest of the season. No, uh, you I don't think it's something we got to worry about right now. Uh, but the other side of the kicking game is, and I think – you really have yeah. a lot to say about Adam Griffith. You saw the piece, and you, I mean, ugh, I don't know. You, you go into it, please. I want to start this off with a disclaimer that I like Adam Griffith. I, I do. I do. I genuinely do. If you've seen the SC Featured thing, you know what I'm talking about. If, if you haven't, we'll put it up on Facebook and Twitter today. 
Uh, it's a great piece talking about uh, just his childhood. Uh, was an orphan from, I think, Poland or Lithuania. I think Poland, but... Uh, it was Poland. It was Poland, yeah. So a Polish orphan, got adopted, you know, this great success story. So I want to start off saying that, A, that's a great story, and B, I like Adam Griffith as a person. Uh, when you're a college kicker at a college like Alabama that's obviously had uh, the miscues with the kicking game, and we're not going to get into that uh, to just save ourselves some sad memories, but... Uh, you, you gotta you gotta start making some of these at some point uh, quickly, and I don't think it's like a quarterback situation where oh he threw one interception we got to take him out, uh, and you know that's not really how it works. I don't think it's like that. I think at some point when you're kicking, I mean Patrick he's kicking 54 percent career, I, 50, and he's in his four. third year on the team kicking and major <laughs> kicking duties. That's that's barely over half. I mean it's just it's it's a little concerning. And I'm wondering, what's going to be the breaking point where we sub in a new kicker? Uh, and I, do I we just... have another kicker? Well, I mean, what, what, where do we? Where else do we turn? We've got Pinero. We've got Pinero, the kid who's putting YouTube videos up all summer long, where he's booting 73 yarders. And I know, I know, it's different, you know, uh, because that's oh, that's in a practice. He's young. It's not a game. Yeah. But what's it going to hurt putting him in a game? What he goes out there and misses it? Okay, well that's not yeah. I mean, anything will be an improvement right over now. what we got Saturday. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, if he goes out there and he misses it, okay, then just throw Griffith back in, or throw the other guy back in. His name's Ray something. I, I I'm sorry, I'm horrible, but I can't remember his name. Uh, but yeah, so I, I just I want to know when the breaking point is going to come. And like I said, I like Adam Griffith. I do. I'm just not convinced that he's ever going to correct himself. Uh, people say he kicks great in practice and that's awesome. And if those points counted in the game, I'd say we should send him out there every day, but those points do not count in practice. You've got to start hitting well, that in, in the game. You, you hear the, okay. So you hear bad back, he's missing kicks, but now there were no excuses. Bad back. He's missing kicks. Good back. He's missing kicks. We're going to play in some close games this year. We got a tough schedule and you don't want to have a guy that's kicking 54% out there put with the game on the line. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, mean, I just – I don't see good things with that. You look at teams like it's, – it's sad because I look at teams like Florida State and I think, wow, I, I don't envy their coach. I think we have a better coach. I don't envy their offense. I think our offense is a little bit more stable right now. I don't really envy their defense. I think they're a little more experienced than we are. I envy their special teams. I mean, their special teams are astronomically better than ours. And I, I wish just once we would have a kicker where it's sort of this mindset of, oh, he's got it. 42 yards, he's got it. 37 yards, he's got it. You know, I, I mean, it's just 32 yards, chip shot, he's got it. I'm not confident in Adam Griffith right now that if we're at the one-yard line, he makes a field goal. And I know that's harsh. I really, really do. Well, and I know, but I don't think you're unjustified because you're, you keep naming these lengths, but the kicks are going far. The kicks are the distance is there it's it's but if it doesn't go through those two sticks it doesn't count you can kick it 100 yards but if it's not going through those yellow sticks it's zero points yeah no absolutely and i just so sort of transitioning into our next topic looking ahead at next week uh what i would like to see next week patrick is a new kicker uh <laughs> I, you know maybe put griffith out there to get a little chip shot field goal if if need be you know but I don't want him kicking beyond 30 yards anymore. I don't. I'm sorry. That's mean, and I, I'm, I'm sorry. I hate being that guy. I can't stand it when Alabama fans are Debbie Downers and constantly – I call them doomsday Alabama fans. Uh, where, <laughs> yeah, that's a good you one. Know, 
we we miss we miss a field goal or there's a ball overthrown and the entire season's over and Saban's going to Texas and we're never going to win a game again. Uh, I don't subscribe to that at all. I can't stand it when people are like that. And another thing I want to bring up too, and I'm sorry, I know I've been rambling, uh, is the fact that I hear a lot of people saying we've got to start getting good kickers. That's not our problem. Okay, no, we're getting them. Ranked, he was ranked number one coming out of high school. There was no better kicker for us to get. He was number one. So it's not getting a kicker. It's once the kicker gets there that there's a problem. And that makes me sort of question the special teams coaching. Uh, you know, we're not going to get into that right now. But so anyway, to sort of sum all that up, looking forward to next week, what I'd like to see is a different kicker. Uh, what would you like to see next week, Patrick? Well, I don't think that we're going to be seeing a new kicker just only because I listened to the post-game presser and Nick Saban still he's still defending Griffith. I don't think Nick Saban's hitting the panic button like the two of us are just yet. He's maybe he still sees something in him, but uh, so I don't think that's going to happen. What I do want to see is a team that is not looking forward to Ole Miss too early. You know, because we've done that a couple times, and I'm not saying that there's even a, a, a snowball's chance that we're going to lose to MTSU, but what we don't want is a team to come out flat, play bad, a lot of sloppy turnovers. There is a still, you know, we talked about Coker, but technically, even though I think it's over, we, there is still a quarterback competition open going on into this game. We don't want to see the team take a step backwards before a big SEC game, uh, the, the SEC opener. We've done it before. We've done it before against teams, and we'll, we'll come off a big win in and, and a big game, and then we'll have a big game next week. And we'll have what looks like a cupcake on paper, which this cupcake did score 70 points last week. And we'll come out and we'll play flat and turn the ball over and, and not gain yards and run bad routes and slip and fall and stuff like that. And miss tackles. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think another thing just sort of piggybacking off of that is uh, the fact that, if I mean, even if you win, even if you win by 20, 30, if you don't look sharp and you get exposed – a better team will watch that tape and beat you. Uh, MTSU, I just want to interrupt real quick, uh, beat uh, the Jackson State Tigers 70-14, to 14, uh, scoring 14 points in three of the quarters and then 28 uh, right before halftime. So, I, I, ugh. you know, that's, that's a lot of points. I, I'm not really concerned. What I am concerned of, like you said, is we look too far ahead in the future of, oh, we get the revenge game next week. We get them at home. It's going to be loud. It's gonna. It's a nice time of year. There's gonna be a lot of people here. You know, freshmen are now acclimated on campus. Seniors don't really have senioritis yet. You know, it's it's like I said, it's a nice time of year, so you're not gonna be cold. It's perfect football weather. It's a perfect atmosphere. Oh crap, we just lost to MTSU. Or, oh crap, we just showed people how to beat us because we weren't sharp and we were looking ahead. They play uh, that up tempo style though. They really do. The one they that do. you know people like to say is Nick Saban's Achilles heel. I wouldn't go that far. We do beat teams that run that up. It's just when they do beat us because 80% of teams seem to run it now. Anyway, they do run a very quick offense that is going to test our defense. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're Oregon or I don't care if they're the middle Tennessee blue Raiders, they're going to test us and they're going to be a worthy opponent. And I don't want to see the team looking ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I completely agree with you. Middle Tennessee state, uh, you know, obviously knows how to score points. Uh, let me let me sort of sidetrack here for a little bit. What did you think of uh, Lane Kiffin calling the hurry up a little bit more last week? Uh, I liked it. I, I personally, it. I liked oh, it. I, I liked it. the fact that uh, Derrick Henry's touchdown run, which just 
couldn't bring him down. People couldn't bring him down. That was impressive in and of itself. But the quick decision-making, Robert Foster catches the ball, uh, in my opinion, gets a horrible spot. I thought it was a first down. It wasn't. (laughs) They called it fourth and inches. Maybe his knee was down. I don't really know. But there was no question in anyone's mind, okay, get up to the line of scrimmage. We're going to run the dang ball over the line. And then all of a sudden, you know, 20 seconds later, we've got six points. Uh, So I really liked the hurry up. What did you think of it? Well, I think when you we run the hurry up, it's to me, and this is my first thought when I heard it because I heard a lot of Alabama's fans hate it. You know, we're using the signs this year on the sideline. I think that's neat. I don't think it's a gimmick. I think it's the way college football is going. So yep. if Alabama is the team that's stronger and can run it down your throat and overpower you, now we're going to train these guys that are also bigger, stronger, and more talented than you to be just as well conditioned as your team and to be yeah. able to go out there and do the same thing that you're doing on offense just bigger and stronger. I love it because yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know how you can really compete with that mindset. I think we're just Nick Saban is and here, I'm gonna I'm gonna sidetrack. I grew up a Florida State fan, so I, I saw Florida State's downfall and I think a lot of that was because of um, Bobby Bowden, great coach, especially in the nineties, but he didn't evolve with the game. Right, exactly. And I see this as Nick Saban avoiding that and evolving with the game so that he could he could coach until he's 80. He can keep coaching because the game, the coaches that are going to keep dynasties alive for decades are the ones that are going to evolve with the way the game is played. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. I think, you know, uh, I think Nick Saban is very serious about Alabama. And I think it's just sort of the mentality that Alabama's always had. We're going to be the best football team, period. It's not we're going to be the best football team that runs the power eye or that runs, you know, dating way back the wishbone, the triple option, you know, I mean, it's, it's not, that's our, that's our MO. That's what we're going to do. That's it. No, I think defense is a little different because I think Alabama's defensive motto is we're just, we're going to be better than you. And we're going to dominate every aspect of the game because we're bigger and stronger and quicker. But I do think that part of being the best team in college football is being the best at everything. So that's the best at running the hurry-up offense, having a slimmer defense that's quick. You know, you can still have a defense that's quick and overpower. And I, I just think that's part of being the best. And I think that it's great to see that Alabama's trying to do that. That was my impression of it, uh, the hurry-up offense last week. Uh, you know, so I I liked it. I really did. I liked it a lot. Uh, let's, let's sort of move ahead. Let's go around the conference a little bit. Uh, we're going to start off... <laughs> Talking about the rivals, how about that? Uh, Patrick, what did you see from Auburn on Saturday? I watched every snap of that Auburn game. Uh, I'll tell you what I did see. I saw a quarterback that struggled with decision-making that was hyped up all season long as to be the next Cam Newton. I'm not saying to hit the panic button on Jeremy Johnson yet, but I saw a team that is still struggling on defense, still going uh, to not be – you kept hearing the phrase uh, must-champ defense – well, then right. they put in this quarterback, and he ran all over him. I think they're still in growing pains. I think they're definitely improved over last year. Uh, but the offense is not going to wow me. It didn't wow me, at least last week, the way that I'd heard all offseason. That's all I got from the Auburn game. Uh, three three interceptions for Jeremy Johnson, and two of them that, in my opinion, weren't even close. Now, you watch it more of the Auburn four, game. But there should have been a fourth. There really, right. And the, the fourth right. should have been robbed back for a touchdown. And, well, yeah, and, you know, I was at work. You saw more of the Auburn game than I did. Uh, I was able – the game that I was able to sort of peek down at while I was at work uh, was the Tennessee Bowling Green game. 
Uh, Tennessee, a lot of preseason hype. I think it's great what Butch Jones is doing there, um, really getting everybody sort of in the mindset that they're going to be a great football team and everything. Uh, you've got Dobbs uh, taking snaps under center. Everybody's really, really high on him. Uh, Tennessee, as we know traditionally, is very, very uh, skilled at wide receiver. Uh, their defense gave up, what was it, 30 points to Bowling Green? Uh, I think you're right. And honestly, Bowling Green had sort of gotten on a roll and put up, I think, 14 unanswered points before there was a lightning delay uh, and a rain delay uh, for the game. So, uh, you know, who knows what could have happened. I don't think Tennessee loses that game. I think the final score of that game is very similar to what it ended up being without the lightning delay. But I just found it a little... uh, I was, I was confused, you know, and it's week one. Obviously, with all these uh, all these teams that we're talking about right now, it's week one. A lot of things could happen. Alabama could lose to MTSU next week. Uh, you know, I don't think they will, but they could. Week one does not tell you about the entire season. You know, it reminds me of when you used to get uh, sort of in your freshman classes and you'd have that one kid that failed a test and he's, like, super upset. And the professor, <laughs> the professor always said, don't worry, this is just the first week, it happens, it's the first test, don't do it again, but it's just the first test. And So I think that's sort of what these teams are going through right now, especially Auburn and Tennessee. Auburn, very talented, uh, you know, very hyped up. Tennessee, same way. I don't well, see what about, Tennessee... Oh, what, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. what about a team that uh, that came out there and did a lot better than we thought? That, you know, that, that outperformed our perception of Ooh. how we thought they'd play their particular opponent? That's Texas A&M. Yeah, yeah um, that's exactly who I was lo- thinking, yeah. You, you had that hour between the end of the Auburn game to the beginning of the Alabama game, and then commercial breaks where I'd switch back and forth. So I watched uh, about half ever. of this A&M game. Yeah, I, and they played Arizona State. Um, and so they were – their defense was what struck me as, as, as out of the ordinary. I know their offense was going to be – they had two young quarterbacks that both played, and both played pretty well. It was the defense. Their defense was quick. They were hitting hard. They looked like they knew their assignments. It's not the Texas A&M defense that we've seen the last couple of years, and they were playing a good, a very good opponent, a Pac-12 uh, Pac Arizona State team that Kirk Herbstreit, remember, put in the college football playoff, his preseason predictions. Well, Texas A&M basically spoils that on the first weekend, <laughs> barring anything <laughs> unforeseen. <laughs> I forgot that he did. Yeah, wow. yeah. Sorry. And Texas A&M comes out and just – and they lit it up, but they also were just – their defense was – their quarterback couldn't do anything. I, yeah. I could not believe the way their defense played. Yeah, their defensive line looked great. The front seven looked great. Their defensive backs are uh, fantastic. That's going to be a great, great matchup. Miles Garrett. Remember the name Miles Garrett. Now everybody yeah. talked about him going into the season, but Miles Garrett is just – he yeah. I, to me, he's the best defensive player in the SEC. Yeah, two things about that Texas A&M game that I saw. Their special teams are fantastic. Uh, their kick and punt returns are great. Uh, they looked really sharp. Had a kick return for a touchdown the other night where, you know, everybody was blocking, everybody was staying in their lane. I mean, they they looked sharp on special teams. Uh, and also, Arizona State was way overranked, in my opinion. Uh, very, very overranked. Um, you know, I, I think it was a great win for Texas A&M regardless of rank because that's a Power 5 conference team that, like, you <laughs> You just mentioned some analysts decided <laughs> to put them it was in Kirk the college. Street. It was Kirk well, Street, the analyst. You know, I, I enjoy uh, Kirk sometimes. Uh, no, I think Kirk's that, great. I think he's I, I think yeah. he's cream of the crop as far as college sure. football goes. But it's funny that his team lost on opening week. That's that's tough. That's tough. Uh, I won't go any more into that other than saying no comment. That's tough. 
uh, good luck next year, Kirk. Okay, so let's get into the uh, Georgia game a little bit. Uh, I, I, there's not much to say. They looked as great as they could have playing, what did they play, three and a half quarters? Um, yeah. Or, sorry, two and a half quarters. I mean, it, you know, uh, Isaiah Crowell, uh, or, whoa, geez, Louise. Nick Chubb, excuse me, sorry, I've got, we were going to talk about him a little bit later, but uh, Nick Chubb looked great. Uh, I was going to say looks like Isaiah Crowell. Uh, back in that backfield, um, just runs very, very hard. Their offensive line looked really strong. Defense looked great. Uh, their opponent was a little bit lacking, but you know, uh, not much I can really say else about now Georgia. These, and these, these first games are hard because unless you're looking at a team like A&M and uh, Auburn and Alabama, and you're actually seeing, and they played a, a, a Power Five conference team that that really has aspirations of their own. Um, it's hard to say uh, when a team like Georgia plays or Tennessee plays Bowling Green, you just never, you, you know, it's hard, it's hard to really break those things down and see what a team drastically has to improve on. Like, you know, Jeremy Johnson has to improve on his turnovers, Texas A&M's defense, you know, all that stuff. It's hard right. to, week, week two will show a lot more. And especially once SEC play starts. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I was talking to one of our listeners last night, uh, you know, and, he was. We were discussing sort of the Bama doomsdayers that I was talking about earlier that, uh, you know, uh, are saying we don't even deserve to be in the top five. We should have beat that Wisconsin team by – there were people genuinely saying this. I'm not making this up. Uh, people will say anything if you give them Twitter. But uh, <laughs> saying that, you know, we – including me and you. But, uh, you know, saying we should have beat them by 30 and that it was embarrassing and that Wisconsin was way overranked and – uh, you know, I was talking to one of our listeners about it last night, and he was telling me, you know, look around the other teams in the league, in the NCAA. Seriously, look at the uh, look at the rest of the top five. Uh, Michigan State played well, uh, very very well. Uh, TCU played average. Baylor played uh, less than average, in my opinion. Uh, Ohio State played fantastic. Uh, they had, I mean, they went in the locker room. Uh, down, and I understand that, but I don't think anyone seriously thought they were going to lose that game last night. They were in control. So I think when you look at the top five, you've got to put Alabama at second right now. Uh, and it's way too early. It's week one, like we've said. We sound like we're, you know, a broken record, but I don't know how you don't put Alabama at second. They, they beat a quality opponent, and everyone else in the top five, not named Michigan State, really didn't. Uh, Baylor and TCU were two huge letdowns last week, Patrick. In my opinion, now you know, I just again, I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sold. I'm not sold on either of those teams. I've never been sold on either of those teams. I had, I don't know why. I just haven't. I don't. Maybe it's because they don't have the illustrious programs of some of the other ones I mentioned. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna ease the brakes a little bit again because. Next week, TCU and Baylor could look like the best teams in the nation. Ohio sure. State could uh, could be bad. Um, what I want to talk about is maybe some specifics. And we mentioned our game, and I want to go back to our game real quick because I know we're jumping all around. Uh, this just popped to me when you were talking about those doomsday people. We just held a team that last year and the last several years have averaged well over 200 yards rushing a game. To What, what was the final? 40 yards rushing? 40-something yards rushing? I mean, it, we took what they do, like that. and yeah. we flipped it on their head. And for the yeah. first half, they did they did pretty well passing the, the ball. I mean, they got they got it out to some receivers and got that passing touchdown. I uh, made it seven seven. But once we really made them play the way we wanted them to play, and our our defensive line settled in, we were teeing off on Joel Stave. I mean, yes. he just 
he he must have been seeing stars because Jonathan Allen just kept killing him. Yeah, well, and I, I want to interject there a little bit. Uh, when you talk about uh, Joel Stave, when you bring him up, he played great. Uh, I want to say that really quick. Uh, I, I think that with the past two seasons he's had, he's got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Um, he made some throws, uh, you know, just sort of over the defensive back's head and below the safety uh, that were no, he played. He played well. He played but... great. Uh, not well enough, but I just, I just wanted to interject that um, and really commend Joel Stave for a good performance last week. No, he didn't really, th- and he didn't throw his interception until I don't want to call it garbage time, but desperation time. I mean, his yeah. turnover because there was a this is in my mind a turnover free game until he was really down to a minute left on the clock and had to throw. He wouldn't have thrown that ball if there had been ten minutes left. Sure. All right. Let's get into uh, let's get into next week. Uh, not really as far as Alabama is concerned, but just sort of around uh, the conference and around the NCAA. What games are you excited to see uh, next week? Two. Two. There's two games I really want to see, and I think we're probably going to talk about both of them. Uh, game day going to Oregon and Michigan State. And then you've got, and this is the one I'm more interested in seeing as, as somebody that's invested in the SEC. you got Tennessee playing good Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. in Oklahoma. Let me check on that real yeah. quick. But I, they, they are playing each other. Uh, that game is in Knoxville. Oh, okay. They got that at home. It's still, it's that, going to be a huge yeah. test for that team. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's going to be a great sort of uh, marker for both teams, not just Tennessee, but also for Oklahoma. Uh, and then you you said it, the game that I'm really interested in seeing uh, is going to be Oregon at Michigan State. Um, Michigan State, I, I think Oregon's the more, uh, I don't want to say put together team. I think I think they will win that ball game, uh, not by very much. And I think that Michigan State playing at home is, uh, it's a huge, huge factor in that game that people really got to look out for. I will not be surprised with either team winning. Uh, Michigan State looked great last week, uh, as well did Oregon. Uh, I know Oregon was playing Eastern Washington. Actually, you know what? I'm going to take that back. Oregon gave up 40 points to Eastern Washington, did they not? Let's check on it. I'll you keep talking. I'll look. I'll type I, I, in the I'm score. almost. I'm almost positive that they gave up 40 points. You know what? I'm going to take Michigan State there. I really 61, am. 61-42. That's your final. Yep. They won 61-42. 42 points to Eastern Washington. That's not ripping on Eastern Washington at all, but that really is ripping on Oregon uh, because yeah. Ooh, ooh. 42 <laughs> points. That's that's tough. And, and Michigan State's offense looked very sharp last week. I'm going to take Michigan State in that game. Uh, All right, well, I'm sticking that, with Oregon be because okay. I think I think Oregon just they always they seem to find a way in the regular season, if you will, like especially against these big games in the regular season. I don't know. I've just always right. been a big believer in their system too. I uh-huh. I don't think I they're mean, a gimmick. People want to bring them down because they're fast. That's because they're good. Yeah, yeah. I I mean you know they're great until they play Stanford. Uh, another uh, another game that I'm really excited to see. Uh, just sort of for the entertainment value, I don't think it has huge college football playoff implications or anything like that. Boise State at BYU. BYU with that great uh, Hail Mary pass to win the game uh, in Nebraska last week. Uh, that was probably a, one of the Man, but Taysom Hill, man, that's he's yeah. one of my favorite players in, in, in yeah. the nation. And to see that happen again for a third time, it, it was disheartening. Tough. It's tough. Yeah, no, it's tough. But anyway, so I think that Boise State, BYU, if you're just sitting on the couch uh, and you want to – sort of look up a good game you're just sort of bored i think that's gonna be a great game uh but yeah so we've got oregon and michigan state uh boise state that game is at byu and then oklahoma at tennessee and knoxville uh one more to mention there's one more game we gotta mention 
I cannot I cannot believe we almost missed this. We got LSU playing at Mississippi State. I, I didn't mention it on purpose because I don't see LSU losing that game. Uh, yeah, but it's got – I mean, come on. You, with what Mississippi State did last year, it's something to still it. look at. Stop. I mean, LSU Stop. didn't even play – LSU hasn't played a game yet. LSU, exactly. LSU hasn't played a game. Mississippi State looked terrible against Southern Miss. Terrible. Uh, and I know it's at Mississippi State and you've got the Cowbells and that's great. I, I'm, I'm sorry, but no. I'm not, I'm not buying Mississippi State. I can't. I cannot. And also, LSU got rained out. Uh, last week, like you said, it was against McNeese State, so I don't think it really would have mattered either way. But they're fresh. This is their season opener. Uh, so I purposely looked over that game. I, I can't believe that they're only a three-point uh, favorite as of right now. Uh, that's astounding to me. Uh, I would put Okay, well, I will say this. I'll say this, because last year they were in Death Valley, and nobody was giving them a chance, and that was their coming out party. So don't <laughs> – I don't know. I'm not discounting – I'm not counting out Mississippi State, and I think they'll make it closer than you think it will. I can't wait. I, if you're, I hope you're right. That's what I want to say. I hope, I hope that LSU's party is spoiled. First game of their season. Fine, uh, I'll go. It's, a, I'll go. It's ten points or less. I'm picking LSU by ten, ten points or less. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say thirteen, but that's fair. That's fair. I, I just, I don't, I don't buy Mississippi State, especially with the way they played against Southern Miss. But uh, you know, I, I do, I do think their counterpart Ole Miss is a lot better this year, but. They do have what might be the best quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, so you can't. And LSU's quarterback has not played in a game yet, and now he's playing on the road at night, 9:15 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. So. Sure. And you know, and I like I, I like I said, I think that Mississippi State's fine, but I just I, Dak didn't show me a lot against Southern Miss, and I think that LSU's defense is a lot better than Southern Miss. But that's just me. Like I said, I hope you're right. Uh, I think now we've hyped up that game more than any of the other three that we just mentioned, <laughs> uh, which now like I can't wait to see which one of us is right. Uh, so sort of wrapping things up here, Patrick, last, uh, you know, eight or nine, ten minutes in this show. Uh, big part of opening or, yeah, opening weekend this week in college football. Uh, it's kind of weird to say weekend since this game was last night. It was Virginia Tech, Ohio State. Uh Virginia Tech and opening football games sort of bring up a memory between you and I. Oh, a great uh, memory. We, we tweet. Although you you remember it a lot more than I do. Yeah, we. Well, that sounds horrible. <laughs> you, you'll see in the story in a second. But it, the the story that we're referring to now, when we talk about it, just on the phone, we're hanging out. Uh, we refer to it as quote unquote that weekend. Uh, so let me sort of set the scene here. Uh, 2013, Alabama is opening their season against Virginia Tech. Uh, first of all, and this isn't even ha- the beginning of the story or where I wanted to start it, but Patrick and I and his roommate named Kyle, a great dude, love Kyle, uh, we're sitting out, camping out, first 500 students uh, to get to the ticket office, get Laurable tickets. We were what, like 542, 543, somewhere in that Yeah, it was, it, was, it was ridiculous. And, that, that and we stayed out all night. All night. All night, and that should have just been an omen for the rest of the week, but it wasn't. We decided to get in the car and pile up and go to Atlanta. Anyway, Patrick, tell me what happened earlier that week, uh, before that Saturday, after we got our tickets. What what happened to you uh, in your apartment? Well, you got those Thursday night games uh, that always kick off the season, you know, and I think it, I think it was South Carolina playing somebody. So I was just watching that game at my house, uh, you know, probably doing homework or something, still in college. And I turn to go get a drink, right? On, I mean, I, I stand up. We'll go with stand up. And I 
tear the cartilage in my knee. I've had ACL surgery before, so this was a complication of that. But you're not supposed to do – this isn't something that's supposed to happen. You just, I, just, I was stood up off the couch and tore the cartilage. It's called a bucket handle tear if you want to look it up. And, yeah, I mean, not with, with not enough time to go get it fixed before the game. So I'm on crutches. Basically, when I tore it, I couldn't – straighten my knee past about 45 degrees very far without it being excruciatingly painful. You text me that, I guess the day after, and you said, hey man, dot dot dot, uh, I tore my knee, all the cartilage in my knee, and I'm on crutches. And I have to <laughs> apologize to you right now because my first question was not, are you okay? I texted back and said, oh my God, are we still good for Saturday? So I have to apologize for that, uh, <laughs> first off, because that was not very nice of me. Uh, I so, of course, and I got to get into the next thing, because the doctor, and this is going to set the stage for the rest of the story. We're at about 40 minutes here, but we're going to blow through our normal time now. Uh, the doctor prescribes a medicine that affects people, a lot of people differently, and me in a weird way. It affects me very strangely, and he, it's Loratab. He gives me the Loratab. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the floor, because I don't remember much every time I pop that pill. So we, we go, we get in the car to go to Atlanta from Tuscaloosa, uh, drove down that morning. Um, we were going to stay that night and then come right back. Uh, Kyle's driving, uh, which is great. Comes, picks me up in the morning. Uh, I get in the car and his face was just the ultimate combination of pissed off and done with the entire weekend. And it is 8.30 in the morning on a Saturday. So I can already tell it's going to be kind of a longer weekend. Uh, when Patrick gets on Loratab, uh, he's almost, he's basically drunk, uh, is the best way to put it. I mean, I mean that in the nicest way possible. He's very, very goofy, uh, and he doesn't remember anything. So, uh, wanders around, you know, it's so drive down to Atlanta. Uh, he sings the entire way there. Uh, it's, it's a long drive. Patrick is singing the entire time. Uh, there are no headphones or car speakers that can block it out. You were just jamming, having a good time by yourself and your lore tap, and it was uh, pretty, pretty. It, it was a long trip. It was one of the longer drives I've ever had to Atlanta from Tuscaloosa. But to my defense, so we, you were in charge of the iPod. I was, and I was <laughs> trying really, really hard. But it's just everything that I played, you knew the lyrics to, uh, and decided to scream them. So we get to Atlanta. We go to Olympic Park. I'm meeting my brother. I haven't seen my brother in a long, long time. Uh, so, you know, talking to him, chatting with him, and I see Kyle kind of out of my peripheral. We're in Olympic Park, and there's sort of this picnic. There's this weird thing. It was, you know, a bunch of stuff was there. Dragon Con, I think, was there. A Pirate Con. I think Con it was Dragon Con. Yeah, something was there. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. There was a lot of people around. Uh, and I see Kyle out of my peripheral, sort of, you know, anxiously looking around. And uh, automatically, I'm like, oh, no. That's bad. That's not good. And so I'm, I'm still talking to my brother. Finally, Kyle taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and he says, Hey, we got to go find Patrick. I don't know where he is. And I look around, and we just <laughs> see this sea of people, no crutches, nothing. I mean, we, we couldn't even find you. So we start walking around. I say goodbye to my brother. We start walking around, and I find you over, and I, I need to preface this by saying that uh, my dream job when I got to Alabama was to be uh, the Atlanta Braves baseball radio broadcaster. That was my dream job. You know, I wasn't overly attached to it, but it was something that, you know, if I had to name a dream job, that would be it. Uh, so I look over and there's a radio tent uh, that, you know, has a sign that's the home of Braves baseball. 
and you're talking to Wasn't this girl. Wasn't there just some random intern girl there? Yeah. The poor thing probably had... <laughs> she, like, Lord knows what she thought about you, because you crutch over, and then I see you sort of pointing at me, and she's laughing. And not a laugh like, oh, this is cute, like he's, he's trying to set up his friend or anything like that. This laugh of like, oh dear God, someone please get me out of here. And so <laughs> I, I, I just immediately started walking the other direction. I, I didn't care... Uh, if you got to the stadium, I was going to the game. I had my ticket in my pocket anyway. Kyle was with you, so I was fine. Uh, I started walking towards the game. You crutch up next to me, and you're like, "Hey, man, guess what? Uh, I just told that girl you wanted to be that you were going to be the next Braves radio broadcaster. I told her that. I did that for you, man. And you were amped, so I had to act amped. Uh, and it was it was easily. I really hope I never see that girl again. Uh, her her face is burned into my mind, and you know, sort of those embarrassing moments when you think back on your life and you just sort of cringe at that one thing that's that one thing for me so thank you for that uh no problem the, anytime the, just looking out for you the game itself was awesome uh great well i great I, I made sure to go lore tab free uh during the yeah. game i think i just switched to tylenol for that which didn't work quite as well but i don't want to not remember the game so yeah game was good game was great game went fine uh after the game however we we finally get back to the hotel we're exhausted we had gone out to dinner uh, and we're sitting in the hotel, and all of a sudden, uh, I'm brushing my teeth in the bathroom, and I walk out, and I hear Patrick say, All right, guys, I just popped another pill, so y'all got about two minutes of uh, conscious thoughts from me before I absolutely lose it. And sure enough, uh, at about 2.15 in the morning, you were still awake, uh, rapping every single line of Kanye West that I think you had ever heard in your entire life. Uh, spilled Gatorade all over the bed. I mean, you were out, man. You were gone. Like I said, it was basically like, I don't ever have to see you drunk because I know what you are drunk because you took Tab when I was around. Uh, and that was a very... Do you remember anything from that night? I remember Georgia and Clemson was playing. Yeah. <laughs> I remember seeing that in the hotel lobby. Um, I do remember making that line because we tweeted it where I said it. But beyond that, no, I mean, not really. I... You've told me that I insisted that we rap a lot, uh, which is not too yeah. far from the norm, I guess. But yeah, um, yes. The segue thing. Sunday. You've mentioned the segue thing before. Oh God! So right after the Braves, <laughs> the Braves girl incident, uh, Patrick's crutching along. You're fast on crutches, by the way. Uh, I have I, a lot I of wanted, experience. I've torn. Wanted... I've torn knees. I've hurt ankles. I've hurt. My right leg is about the, the leg of an 80-year-old man. So I've got a lot of crutch experience. Yeah, I wanted to yell at Kyle for losing you. But after seeing you crutch, I kind of understood. So we're, we're walking, and all of a sudden, uh, there's a cop on a Segway who's beeping his horn to let people know, you know, get out of my way. I'm on a Segway. Uh, and you stopped in front of him. It dead stopped. Looked at him and said, I like the noises that that thing makes. And he beeped the horn, and you giggled like a four-year-old and kept crutching <laughs> that i genuinely kyle, do not remember kyle and i have to walk up behind you like sorry like you know it's not like a situation where we're taking care of him like it's it's he's a grown man he just took some lower tap so we keep walking uh yeah that was that was the segue incident the last thing that i want to mention from that weekend was that morning we get up you immediately pop more lower tap without consulting either of us which you don't have to but it would have been nice we go to IHOP for breakfast, and uh, the new Superman movie had just come out. And you were not satisfied with it. You were very upset by it. Uh, and you let me know that by informing Kyle and I of the entire story of Superman and why it didn't relate well to the movie. Uh, I don't know where it came from. 
I don't know if you just saw a commercial for it on TV. I don't even know if there's TVs at the Atlanta IHOP. Like, I say that like there's one. But at that particular IHOP, and you went off. Uh, from the time that we got our water before we started eating to the time that we paid our tab and walked out, you told me everything that Clark Kent has ever said or done. Uh, and so that, uh, listeners, Sounds about is right. the weekend. Uh, that is what we refer to. I hope you enjoyed that story. I know we rambled a little bit. Uh, but we did it for a reason because we, we want to know your best opening weekend that you can yeah. totally 100% remember. Yes, exactly. Or not, <laughs> if that's your better weekend. Uh, and that you know, is why we're on social media. We would Yes, we would love <laughs> to hear those stories. Uh, we're on Facebook at Pat's Interference. You can search there. Uh, you can like our page. Uh, we update. We put up videos, uh, pictures, everything we can find. Uh, Twitter, it's at PI underscore podcast. You can find the podcast at patsinterference.com. It will be up, uh, if not later tonight, tomorrow. Again, it is Tuesday, September 8th. We thank you so much for listening in today. Uh, like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. Patrick, uh, one last time, your score prediction for this weekend. What is it? All right, well, I don't think we're going to have too much hangover because I think we're a team on a mission. So I'm going to say, uh, since we still have a quarterback competition and we're not going to go all-out scoring points, I'm going to go 42 to, let's say, 10. I'm going to go 42 to 14. So I'm glad we're sort of on the same page there. You've been listening to Pat's Interference. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back next week for Episode 3 before Ole Miss. Have a good one, everybody, and roll tide. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I thought, oh, let me hit it. Oh, let me hit stop. Um,